0: Lloyd with Morgan streaking. she's the goalkeeper off the post the pay disparity between the men and women is is just too large and and we want to continue to fight uh, the generation of
1: players before us fought and now it's our job to to keep on fighting pay cap for the women's major league soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's major league soccer. 11 times.
2: Rapino gets across It's can you believe this? saved the USA's life. You are listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera, only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and this is episode 47 of Give a Go, coming to you from Los Angeles. Thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, for all the latest news, lifestyle analysis, everything pertaining to the world of women's soccer, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Check us out at Girls Soccer Network on Instagram and at Girls Soccer Net on Twitter. Again, for all the latest... Be sure to subscribe to this podcast as well. You can tell Siri in a wide variety of ways to subscribe to this podcast. So please do that. Leave us a review. Give us any type of feedback. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think about this podcast. If there's anything we can do to improve it, please let us know. Since February is the month of love and gratitude, we want to say a special thanks to our sponsor this month, Ida Sports. Did you know that men's and women's feet are different? Of course you did, but did you ever think about why for so many years women have been wearing cleats made for men? It's kind of crazy, but that's how it's been. Well, not anymore. Thankfully, Ida Sports co founder Laura Youngson had this revelation when she was scaling Mount Kilimanjaro. The players she was trekking with, women from all over, the world had at least one thing in common. Their feet suffered as a result of playing soccer. That was all it took for Laura to start her next adventure, creating Ida Sports and the very first cleat made specifically for a woman's foot, the Ida Classica. They also make a sick footsaw shoe called the Ida Spirit that just dropped in navy blue. You can check all of these latest styles out at idasports.com, soccer.com, or Dick Sporting Goods. All right. Thank you to our sponsor again, Ida Sports. Let's dive right into you know, kind of what we're going to discuss today. We've got a lot of changes with the, the CBA, the market that is the NWSL, plus a very special interview with Michelle Meyer of the NIL, the creator of the NIL, the names, images, likeness uh, organization that is really shedding a light on everything related to high school and collegiate athletes kind of creating a brand for themselves, monetizing their likeness, their imaging because it's been used for so long by other colleges and so on and so forth. So we've got that interview plus a She Believes Cup preview as well. So without further ado, let's just dive right into it. First off, uh, kind of the biggest piece of news that we will just briefly mention, we we don't want to spend too much time harping on this, of um, the US soccer investigation into a prolonged period of many different types of abuse over the years. And this is just kind of an ongoing kind of cleansing of you know that we've talked about i i I love how instead of just kind of taking it easy and taking a break they kind of decided hey let's while we're at it let's just remove all the abuse or as much as we can possibly eradicate from this game there will always be you know waves of it coming back there will be you know others trying to to bring their toxic ideals into this league but we need to do a better job of spotting it understanding it and stopping it before it happens and then not just that but being complicit in it after it happened like so many hires have been made with people already knowing previous history knowing what was going on beforehand and still going through with it. So again, this is a deep and wide ranging investigation and we'll let the investigation play out rather than, you know, continue to speculate. But there has been a lot of ongoing stuff here and we're going to let this play out. It's just great that we're getting a start on this now, you know, and really trying to remove all the weeds at once instead of just piecemeal over time. Otherwise, more might pop up and out of the blue we need to eradicate this as soon as possible so we'll leave it at that u.s soccer an investigation will be ongoing over the next couple months We talk about women's soccer and how it grows, how it can expand, how it can get better. And you look at what the transfer window was able to do this year across the entire women's side. $487,000 were generated in January through the transfer window, up 53% from last year, which is exponential growth, right? You know, so more than 53% from last year, which means, again, we should exponentially see the the woman transfer market grow. Now, I'm not a financial expert or anything like that. I I do enjoy looking at patterns and understanding that in this case, as long as the money is going to keep flowing in, as long as we get a steady amount of cash flow and people keep backing the NWSL, then the transfer window and the cost for bringing in superstar players is only going to go up, right? And you look at the men's side um, 1.3 billion dollars is generated on the men's side so we still got some catching up to do but as time goes on I think that's the general goal and and the general idea is that the women's transfer markets only going to continue to go up in, in this in a similar fashion as long as we continue continue on this road you know it's such a big big gap between the two sides but the transfer window is you know only going to go up and, and teams are going to start to pay more for players. And a lot of that you know is the perfect transition to the CBA deal and then you know free agency and players getting paid finally the CBA deal did get done last time in our last episode we mentioned it was kind of in limbo and then sure enough a couple of days after we put the episode out the deal got done and so it, it's a truly a historic moment for the NWSL to have the CBA deal in place again you need it for the players to get a piece of the pie you need it because they need to be able to be happy and have some power to themselves it can't just be an owner hungry frenzy look no further than the Washington spirit and the uproar and you know nonsense that Stephen Baldwin just caused by refusing to go away right he the perfect example of why we need a CBA so that owners like him don't get more of a say we need to take the power away from owners like him and now of course we've got you know he finally gave it up to Michelle Kang thank god but still you know we gotta be you know more weary of that and so that's what makes this deal so huge and then you have the aspect of free agency as well where certain players who have been playing for a certain number of years will get better options within free agency Uh, so naturally Trinity Rodman signing a 1.1 million dollar contract guaranteed over the next four years easily the biggest deal in NWSL history uh, for a player of that age and I mean it's just incredible I think people are going to talk about you know Sophia Smith being the next player up who would probably get paid this much money Uh, but it's certainly going to change things now Um, you know you hear the narrative of in on the men's side of sports like they get paid too much money to to complain they get paid too much to do this well now you're going to definitely start to have that standard that expectation upheld for the women as well now that they're getting paid the now that they're going to start getting paid the big bucks more is going to come with that so much more endorsement deals stardom fame the pressure of having to live up to the expectations now it all changes once you add millions of dollars into the equation it will change for some players. Hopefully, it doesn't tr- change Trinity. Uh, hopefully, it does not change her at all. But I think you know some players. You're going to start to see some challenges that you're going to have to navigate where it's not going to be the same. Yes, you are as big of a star, but now the money coming into the picture uh, definitely changes things. Still huge for the league. Huge for the league. Trinity Rodman, one point one million dollars, and we have a CBA deal. So you know the the league is is slowly but surely between that between the transfer window between removing all of the the toxicity that we have you know the league is only trending up These slow and steady changes are going to exponentially grow and put the league in a place five to ten years from now where we're not even going to recognize it I'm, i'm thinking we you could be looking at 15 to 20 teams within the next five to ten years. I truly believe that. With the the number of teams that were just added already between, you know, Angel City and San Diego and then Sacramento to come, and then you have the possibility of the um, Connecticut team, kind of like a Connecticut, New England team, Hartford. Do we know if that's happening? You know, so there's so many options. We're going to have so many teams soon. So based on where we're going, based on these trends, we are heading in the right direction. It is time for the interview. Interview that we mentioned earlier with Michelle Meyer, Jen, our founder and CEO, sat down with Michelle Meyer of the NIL Network, who is doing an amazing job of helping people navigate the whole new world of college and high school sports and what athletes can and cannot do in terms of monetizing their name, image, and likeness. Have a listen, guys. Enjoy.
1: Hello, this is Jen Breskoff with the Girls Soccer Network. I'm here at the United Soccer Coaches Convention with Michelle Meyer of the NIL Network. NIL, name, image, likeness. So excited to be sitting down with you, Michelle, and a lot of questions from our community. And uh, first, tell us how you started the network and what it is exactly.
0: Yeah, sure. And uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat about this. Um, So, my whole background is actually in volleyball um i played at IC santa barbara professionally in denmark for a season and when i got back i was lucky enough to get my foot in the door coaching um, at university of hawaii twist my arm i'll move out to the islands for a few years um coach at pepperdine and then i worked for usa volleyball for a number of years running their high performance program across the country which i think um soccer is something very similar all the camps tryouts clinics for kids ages 12 to 25 about. I was working on a project actually uh, for the American Volleyball Coach Association to get beach volleyball added collegiately for men when California passed SB 206 in the fall of 2019. So California was the first state to pass a NIL-specific law. They put an effective date of January 2023, which gave the NCAA some time to come around and, and change their rules, but effectively stood up and said, okay, come when this bill goes into effect, our athletes, regardless of what the NCAA rules say, will be able to monetize their name, image, and likeness. Um, I always thought that NIL would come to college sports. I didn't know that it would be from uh, a state standing up. I thought the NCAA would change their rules in time. but. I found it fascinating and i started studying it um pretty closely and fast forward to november of 2020 um and when i was doing some research on it i just didn't feel like enough people were talking about this massive change that was coming to college sports i think due to covid it really got swept under the rug we didn't have sports in 2020 and nobody was really paying attention as much as i thought that they should be so i created nilnetwork.com as a up of resources for athletes coaches and administrators to understand all the changes that are coming so um started that in november of 2020 it really was a heavy focus on all of the state laws as the state started to pass their nil laws in the spring of 2021 thankfully uh when july first passed i don't have to um follow that legislation as closely anymore it's more fun stuff now in terms of the the trends that we're seeing as this industry develops and really it's where I can pull together a lot of different resources from experts um, in the different niches of NIL as well as just
1: creating some databases for people to utilize. Have you gotten a lot of blowback from the NCAA? You know, um,
0: not not yet. I think that it's such an interesting way that this all unfolded. Um, with the states putting their NIL bills as effective date of July 1 of 2021, and then with the Alston decision um, coming at the end of June, which we know the NCAA lost pretty handedly, uh, which didn't have any direct implications on name-image likeness, but what it essentially did was said, you know, if if you guys don't change some of what you're doing, you're going to increasingly have all of these lawsuits for hundreds of millions of dollars, Um, and so you know, they, they pulled their rules around at NIL uh, starting on July 1st, and since then it's really been pretty wild um, in terms of just
1: all of the trends and things that have been happening in space. Wow. In terms of youth soccer, right? Because so many kids now are branding themselves, so talk about... I don't want to have to get into a conversation of whether that's right or wrong. Yep. It's happening. So, for example, if a brand comes to us and they want us to create content for them and they want to use one of our influencers, is that an issue? So with the NCAA changing their rules for their current college
0: athletes on July 1st, that actually also removed their the, the rule that high school athletes would lose their eligibility if they monetize their name image likeness before getting to college. So in terms of NCAA eligibility across the country, high school athletes are able to take advantage of name image likeness. However, they do need to look at what their state, um, state high school association has to say. I think there's about five states uh, across the country that permit their high school athletes to maintain their high school eligibility if they monetize their name or likeness in any way. Um, there have been a couple of athletes that have done it in New York, there were a few basketball players. I think California uh, football player just had a, I think, a couple thousand dollars to promote a company, but it's starting to happen and trickle down to the high school level. So. Definitely need to check in if they still have high school eligibility left to make sure that they are that they won't lose that. Um, but I also think that, again, with my background in volleyball, I see this where we've been, uh, high schools have kind of losing the battle to the club space for the past decade or so where athletes are forgoing their high school um eligibility or not eligibility but they're choosing to just play club and play that year round because they're finding you know they potentially have better coaching better competition and preparing them for that next step at the college level and i'm curious if nil will be another push if the high school associations don't change their rules for the athletes to just play club and some go well that's a shame you know your high school experience is you know such a a big part of growing up but in my perspective and again whether it's right or wrong I think it really will be only the top top athletes potentially that'll be affected by this that have that social media following already and have the ability to monetize any part of their name image likeness but also if those athletes go it potentially opens up some other opportunity for students in high school that would have been you know not getting playing time or potentially even cut from the team that now they can be part of it and part of their high school team. So I think that it's kind of a give or take um, and there's, there's good and bad on both sides.
1: What kind of resources do you guys provide? So my number one
0: resource on NIL Network is my athlete service provider directory. Um, I think there's about 270 or 280 companies that I found in the NIL space already that are looking to um, work directly with athletes. So that would be digital marketplaces. We have, you know, our typical sports agents, management agencies, brand development services, uh, attorneys who get that contracts for them, uh, tax services. There is probably 10 plus industries that kind of fall under that NIL umbrella. And so with this yelp of nil if you will athletes can go on there and they can filter by whatever services they're looking for so if they're looking to do their first nil opportunity maybe they want to get their own logo created for themselves or if they get sent a contract that they don't feel confident reading and honestly if they don't have a background in law they should probably get some help and some eyes on that because brands who are looking to work with any kind of influencer or really anyone in general with marketing campaigns They want to get the best ROI they can so they would build the contract in a way that potentially they are paying the least to get the most return and so even to have someone who understands the space a little bit more to be able to look that over and go well you should probably push back or ask for more not provide as much I think could be really helpful for athletes as they're starting to navigate this new
1: space. And so they can literally go to your website and access this this kind of information. Yep. What about the legal stuff? do You have lawyers that. Yeah. So that what I've kind of I've, I've aggregated together over the past year and
0: a half. I mean, I'm reading about this stuff for probably way too many hours a day, and it seems that every week I'm probably adding ten to twenty new service providers that have just come up in articles or I've uh, seen on their Instagram account or whatnot. And so I have categorized them and put them up there. I reach out and ask them to complete their profile with the type of services that they offer, what their business model is, what the cost is for athletes, what it is for brands, when they were founded, about the founders. Uh, Those type of things that help athletes just navigate this space a little bit more transparency. That's one of the things that I've been a little disappointed with in this industry over the last six months is the the transparency of, of everything that's going on. And I think in order to have a more successful new NIL type world we need a lot more transparency from all sides and it can help not only the athletes but even the the companies that are in the space the administrators
1: and the coaches. You're such an advocate right where did this come from?
0: Yeah um, I think just being around college sports for the last 10 years and, and myself you know I worked in Olympic sports with volleyball and I think about back to my rosters and um not that you know i stopped coaching directly in 2015 um yeah, yeah, yeah. but just saying like man my girls would have loved to go out and coach private lessons on the beaches of waikiki with some little uh little girls or whatnot and who idolized them and just to make some extra money because a lot of these kids you can look at it from both sides but on the olympic sports side they're probably not going to be making life-changing money unless they really do have that celebrity status of instagram following or tiktok or whatnot But for them to be able to, you know, gain some life skills, entrepreneurship skills, put on their camps and clinics and to understand that piece of it before they graduate, I think is a huge opportunity for athletes. Um, And even from the beach volleyball world, On the brand partnership side, now that they're learning those kind of tricks of the trade at a younger age, I think that they're going to have a lot more success navigating it at the professional level. And then you look at the revenue generating sports, football and men's basketball, women's basketball. So many of those athletes come from low income families, and it is just heartbreaking. Like their parents can't even fly out and watch them play a game because, you know, in in some situations, because they just don't have the income to do that. And in, in turn, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars for their institution so yeah. giving them the right to you know use their own name image and likeness seems like a no-brainer and then for it, them to be able to get back and help their families and their communities i think is just a lot of positives on it, all sides
1: yeah. to me it's like you, you know you see kids in movies and they're getting paid right yep. Yep. and okay does that sometimes create a very dysfunctional child because they're making too much money but it's really not up to us to judge that you know they have parents and I just think allowing kids the opportunity to do this is massive
0: yeah and that's what is kind of starting to see in the high school space where a lot of people like oh it's just gonna you know the recruiting is going to be out of control with people from each university reaching out to kids first of all that's already happening if if they wanted to happen before NIL, you know, that's been going on for decades. Um, but you look at, you know, there's, there's such a big movement on social media right now with, with TikTok where the kids are 14, 15, 16 years old, they've got millions of followers and are making some good money. And like you said, whether right or wrong, the fact that high school athletes can't do it because of their status as a high school athlete is wrong, I think. Um, and the whole other, it's a whole different discussion, I guess, about the social media influencing at such a young age. but. I think that exactly
1: (laughs) something just happened with Florida State, right? Didn't they just get uh, a deal? The women's soccer team.
0: was able to have a co-branded licensing deal with Florida State, it's the first time this has happened um, after they won the championship, to put out apparel that used both the likeness of the athletes along with the uh, IP, the intellectual property of the school. So that is a very, very cool initiative. And the thing I love about it as well is, you know, the players are getting a, a kickback, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, either a percentage or a couple bucks per item sold, but, the athletes yeah. have an incentive to go out there and promote it then because they want those things um, t-shirts sold they're making some money from it and
1: then it's just it's cool to see the schools able to partner with the athletes like that. It's a total win-win. Yeah. I hope we see more of that. Yeah and I think I think we will. Well thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
2: Again, that was Michelle Mayer of the NIL Network names, image, likeness, and really awesome stuff there. Talking about you know high schools losing out to the club level game, and then you have the Florida State deal where they won the national championship, and then you have their names and images actually used in a monetary way. So it's like it's really cool to see that this you know network, even at, even albeit at a state level, is working and it's giving. Some So many more opportunities to so many other athletes who deserve the opportunity, but, you know, quite honestly, aren't getting the chance to be seen and now they do. And so, you know, there are naturally going to be some some downsides there gonna be some disadvantages but for right now you know all of the good that it's doing is what we want to highlight first and foremost so that's really the main thing the nil is is really cool it's gonna have a trickle down effect we're gonna to start to see more high school athletes get more involved with this not just with soccer but all sports basketball this is going to be huge with basketball because players are able to create brands like that through the basketball, just you know, your initials and a number, right? That goes for any sport. You could do it with any player, right? But to have this network is huge moving forward, and and we're really excited to see where it goes. Alrighty, we are not too far away from the She Believes Cup, one of the premier tournaments every year. Uh, very, very exciting. The United States, as per usual, will be hosting. And I believe we will get the opportunity to go to the first game against Iceland. Absolutely 110% looking forward to that one. This is going to be an interesting cup because it's a little different from years past where normally, you know, there there's a little more... On the line, England, France, usually you get teams in in the top 10 uh, to compete with the United States and make it a very interesting tournament. Not this year. Uh, We've got the Czech Republic, we've got Iceland and New Zealand. No disrespect to these teams, but they are not on that level of an England, France or Holland. But with that being said, they still have plenty of international stars who will make this game very interesting to watch. And then on top of that, it's not like the United States is bringing a superstar, star-studded roster with them this time. This is an opportunity now for... Some of the younger players to get their shot. We had the camp earlier in the year. Uh, No games were played, but this is an opportunity for them to build on that camp. Everything that they've worked on will now now get a chance to see that, you know, for the She Believes Cup. Uh, You look at the roster, obviously set at goalkeeper between Aubrey Kingsbury, Casey Murphy, and Alyssa Nair. Any one of those three could start and be just fine. Same at the back line. Usual suspects, Emily Sonnet, Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbrunn. Sophia Huerta coming in on the back line, even though she could be a midfielder. Emily Fox and Alana Cook, again, the younger players, getting a chance to prove their worth here. Uh, Not prove their worth. I mean, we know what Emily Fox and Alana Cook can do, but her and Tierna Davidson. The defense, again, back line is pretty much set. I think it's the midfield that is the most interesting. You've got a good mix of veterans and younger players, but really, I I think we're just going to see a variety that we've never seen before. All three games might just have three completely different starting 11s because you look at that midfield and there's just a wide variety. Uh, The positional versatility, the options to work with. You know, you have Andy Sullivan or Jalen Howell who could play in the number six. Lindsay Horan will not be there, right? Due to knee irritation, she will be out. So Jalen Howell's coming in to the team. So you have, you know, players like an Andy Sullivan, Jalen Howell, who could play in the number six. You have Christy Mewis, Rose Lavelle, and Katarina Macario, and even Ashley Sanchez, who can play in attacking positions. And then you have the one constant, Morgan Coutreau, who will be a player that everyone else can kind of look up to because she's really, truly been around the block uh, before. So as Becky Sauerbrunn, of course. And, and some of those older players, but like in the midfield specifically, Morgan Goutreau is going to be a, a player for those other midfielders to kind of look at with no Lindsay Haran in the, in the lineup. Uh, Rose, obviously we know what Rose can do, but she still is, is not like that senior level player yet to where she's experienced everything. She's still not there yet. Whereas Goutreau has played in a wide variety of competitions over the course of her career. And, you know, we'll expect to be one of the leaders of the team. When you look at the attack, um, as per usual, you know we, we have, it's uh, embarrassment of riches for the United States. Um, but this time, the, the main theme here is speed. Uh, between Midge Purse, Trinity Rodman, Mallory Pugh, Lynn Williams, and Sophia Smith, they could compete in a track meet against each other. That's literally... I, I would love to see them like run a sprint at, at practice to see who is the fastest. Uh, because those... <laughs> Those five players, man, are going to terrorize Iceland, Czech Republic, and New Zealand. Oh my god. Just the, the sheer thought of all of that speed is crazy. And I also cannot forget about Ashley Hatch, who is fast as well. Um, can deploy, you know, she can be deployed more as like a true up-top striker who they can you know, use for hold-up play. Can also get the ball in behind to her. Um, she is more than capable of doing that but when you think about Rodman Pugh Lynn Williams Sophia Smith and you could put any midge purse any one of those five could go on either wing right you could put them on either wing and they and they're totally fine so i'm very interested to see like what combinations are we going to see out of ladko and Donovsky with this team especially in attack what's going to be the attacking you know front three if it is going to be a 4-3-3 what formations are we going to see you know there's going to be a lot to kind of speculate over going into this cup but it's a very solid roster um, they should be favored to win all three games still with this talent that they have but it's not as much of a sure thing compared to years past, uh, based on the roster that we have this year. Let's take a look at some of the other teams that we have in the competition. You know, I just mentioned Iceland, and I think they will be the, the United States' toughest opponent in the competition. Uh, we American soccer fans will know the names Dani Brinda's daughter and and Gunny Jan's daughter, two um, very popular players who have played you know in the United States before Gunny is still with the Orlando Pride, and Brynja's daughter was with the Portland Thorns, so you know, they are very familiar with the American style of play, they know how the Americans play, and then they, as a team, they're just no slouch, they've got numerous stars in Germany and in Norway who play in their leagues, so you know, you've got some interesting interesting talent to watch here for Iceland. They've beaten Japan, you know, going back to one of their friendlies last year. So, you know, they're going to be a tough team to beat, probably the toughest one in the competition to take out just another fun fact to kind of throw in there they are one of the few countries to have equal pay with the men in terms of men and women soccer players both get paid equally now the economics of it might be slightly different from america but the fact that they were willing to take this step so soon kind of speaks to their mindset and philosophies as a nation a little more inclusive want to keep things a little more equal and so iceland brings a certain mentality and mindset to this game to this competition that a lot of people haven't really seen before so i think it's going to be fun to watch uh, what they bring to the table in this competition i expect them to finish second the czech republic this is really cool for them this is a showcase because you're not gonna know a lot about some of these players uh they've got so much talent that we haven't heard about or really seen from at all uh, their goalkeeper plays for PSG. Katarina Svitkova plays in England for West Ham. They've got a couple players. Uh, Clara Cechniova plays in Sevilla in Spain. And then both Camila Dubkova and Andrea Staskova play their football in Italy for Sassuolo and Juventus. So I think... the player for me to watch is Camila dubkova because she is a superstar in the making i really believe um, she should be the player to watch her creative attacking a technical ability is on another level compared to everyone else in her team i believe that and so i think still young as well uh, still with the opportunity to to pose some problems so i think you know, this, that match against the U.S. women's national team is going to be a fun one because their tactics, attacking-wise, pose a different challenge for the U.S. women's national team back line. So I think that's going to be a, a fun matchup when they, they go head-to-head. I don't think their defense is going to be able to slow down the United States offense whatsoever. But what they can do in attacking positions will be key in that game. And if they can get one or two goals in, Maybe early on in the game, they will make it a very interesting game for the United States. But otherwise, no, I don't see them posing much of a problem for the United States. And lastly... New Zealand, Uh, good old New Zealand. We love them. We love what they are about. And we pretty much know what we're going to get out of them. Uh, Their three best players are defenders. We know Abby Ursag and Ali Riley. They are superstars at their respective positions. They've been around for a very long time. They will be the team leaders, especially Abby Ursag. I think everyone can look at her and be like, we know we can count on her day in and day out to, to do the best possible job. One of the other great stories is the return of Rebecca Stott, who is out due to stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma. Incredible strength and resolve to be able to return after undergoing successful treatment. So, you know, it's a great story. You have three really, really great defenders. But outside of that, um, without much of a midfield or attack, it's going to be tough for this team to really... Uh, compete against, you know, the other three teams. I think the Czech Republic matchup is probably the best matchup for them. I think Iceland should be able to handle New Zealand as well. All New Zealand is going to be dealing with is the ball in their half for a lot of the game because they don't have the ability to really keep possession consistently enough to where you're going to say, hey, let's get forward and attack consistently. Uh, And so those star defenders end up having to the most amount of work and end up having to you know defend the most in their own half for a lot of the game so you know for New Zealand this is a great opportunity for them to prove everyone wrong and to show how good they really are to show that they are better than what we've seen in the past uh, because it is going to be an uphill battle for them Abby Urseg coming back into a federation that she did not trust for some time and and stepped away from so you know, there, there's an interesting situation here. The New Zealanders will come in, I'm sure, eager to prove themselves on a big stage like this with the whole world watching. They will play hard. They will continue to fight to the bitter end. But I am interested to see how uh, the tournament will play out for them. But I would expect them to be the last place team. So I think United States, Iceland, Czech Republic, New Zealand will end up being, you know, kind of how that top four kind of plays out for the tournament. All right. That is all that we have for you today on episode 47 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera. And once again, thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, for all the latest you know, news, analysis, lifestyle-related content to the world of women's soccer, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Check us out at Instagram at Girls Soccer Network and Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. And of course, please, every- Everything related to this podcast, feedback, you know, a review, anything, please, we are looking for whatever kind of help to better ourselves as best as we possibly can. So any type of feedback you have for us, a review, plug it, share it, advertise it, broadcast it with everyone. Again, you can download it on pretty much anywhere where you like to listen. So again, thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. Episode 47 of Give and Go is in the books. Peace, guys.